after Dark Side of the Ring season one came out, uh, we we were uh, basically we we noticed that The Rock had seen the show and he had tweeted about it, which was mind blowing uh, for us as you know fans. We never would have thought that you know it would have been seen by someone like him. You know the man I'm speaking to as the brains behind the highly successful and highly controversial show Dark Side of the Ring. And he may have outdone himself with his brand new series, Tales from the Territories. The first episode is available to view for free on the Vice TV YouTube channel. But there are a lot more episodes coming. How are you doing, Mr. Evan Hesney? Hey, how are you doing? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Uh, so, what was the motivation behind uh, going all the way back to the territories? Because uh, uh, I, I mean, you you are thirty six years old, right? So, <laughs> you're not <laughs> yeah. exactly the generation yeah. that belonged to that era. What was the motivation? Right. right. Well, <clears throat> for me personally, I've always had like a, a a interest in the territories. I um, you know, getting like getting back into wrestling sometimes being a wrestling fan you take little breaks and then you come back to it and you kind of like kind of how wrestling evolves with culture you know that's kind of been my experience with wrestling like i got into it when i was a really little kid during hulk hogan era you know then i got out of it for many years and got back into it through the attitude era then i got out of it then i got back into it you know when people were sort of you know going back and looking at the nostalgia of the 80s and 90s so it's kind of the same thing. And each time I would go back, I would sort of learn more and more about it and turn that clock backwards. And <laughs> when we were starting to research Dark Side of the Ring to, to do like, like, you know, stories for that show, you know, we got really obsessed with like the story of Bruiser Brody or the story of the Von Erics or, you know, the story of Gino Hernandez, you know. So we started to like read a lot of books uh, about the territory era, watch a lot of the footage, the, the other documentaries that were out. Um, and just it just really piqued our interest. And I think mainly because it's an era where, you know, because wrestlers had to protect the business and, 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 and live in their characters 24-7 and, you know, kayfabe was so enforced that it just kind of raised the stakes for everything. You know, you had to live this character, breathe it, you know, in and out of the ring. And that just kind of is a breeding ground for really wild and insane stories. Anytime you have to keep up appearances, you know, with fans or with uh, anyone in the, in the world, you have to keep up this performance. It, that just is kind of just lends way to really crazy stories. Obviously, the lifestyle, too, back then, the the um, like uh, excessive traveling, you know, the uh, substance abuse, <laughs> all the kind of sex, drugs and rock and roll sort of aspect of wrestling back then. Again, just another it just it just lends itself to crazy stories that you would never hear anywhere else. So that's what kind of got me interested in it. I also really appreciate just the wrestling of that era. You know, like I, I just really appreciate like when you go back and you watch like um, trying to think of something off the top of my head, but like even Memphis, I guess that's what's kind of where, you know, as the episode aired, you know, um, earlier this week, it's like you, you kind of go back and you just see like people hit differently back then and crowds reacted differently back then. And um, because it's not a fan culture, you know, it's not a culture of like we're wrestling fans and we know how it all works. It's it's literally like the most blue collar people who are just kind of, 
you know, working their day jobs and they, you know, punch the cl- punch of the clock jobs. They come in and they go to their local town hall, you know, where that's the entertainment, you know, for the week. We're going to check out wrestling, you know, and they get really into it. They're, you know, under the spell of wrestling. Maybe they don't believe everything they see, but there's some aspects to it that they believe. So it's just a culture of watching that, too, and just watching the audiences and these different little regional areas of America. It's so Americana, you know, and so I just appreciate watching wrestling through that vein. Whereas, like, watching wrestling today, and I don't mean to be, like, crapping on modern wrestling, but, like, you watch it and it's like, oh, everybody pops at the same moment. There's all these in-jokes with the crowd and there's kind of a semi-ironic appreciation of everything. So it's just, it's it doesn't have that magic, you know, that sort of, like, gray area magic that the territories was so awesome, you know, for. It's interesting you bring up how guarded it was and yet, I mean, uh, the success of both of your shows has been how much information you you as a filmmaker were able to divulge from people who guarded secrets for so many years. So, I, I mean, how, how did you achieve this? How did you uh, convince people who guarded secrets for so many years to come out, sit around a table and uh, tell all their secrets to the world? Well, I mean, I could I could talk a little bit about how the project came together, too. I mean, because, you know, it, it really wasn't that hard. I mean, in terms of, you know, people, you know, wanting to talk about, you know, the, talk about the business back then, because I think it's been so many years. And I think a lot of the wrestlers, especially those you've seen on, you know, the Memphis episode, the ones you'll see in the future. I mean, kayfabe's long gone. You know, a lot of these guys have written books and they've done a lot of other interviews before. So, you know, it's it's not so much about kind of peeling back the curtain. Um, but in terms of how the project came together, it kind of dovetails into what I was saying before is after Dark Side of the Ring season one came out, uh, we we were uh, basically we, we noticed that The Rock had seen the show and he had tweeted about it, which was mind blowing uh, for us as you know fans. We never would have thought that you know it would have been seen by someone like him, and that was huge for us. So uh, right after following that, um, some mutual friends of uh, myself and also the folks that work at Seven Bucks, mainly Brian Gewertz of WWE. He, he was the former head writer at WWE. Uh, just kind of suggest we all meet, and we met, and it was kind of trying to come up with maybe a different series, something that. Um, wasn't Dark Side of the Ring because we are we already were working on season two. We were just getting into season two. So, is there another type of wrestling show we could create? And that's how out of that we sort of decided we wanted to do something with the territories. And I sort of went back and uh, was noodling away at some ideas. Um, and the one thing that I noticed, um, and I'm kind of circling back to your question, is um, I, I think I was at some. I, I was at one of those Starcade. I think events, or sorry, Starcast. Excuse me, Starcast events in Las Vegas, um, and I just had this, and I've had this experience too making Dark Side. Anytime you get wrestlers together, there's this organic thing that happens. Um, and so, I, so I was at Starcast. There was this bar I had walked into, and I saw Eric Bischoff. Um, I think it was Road Warrior Animal, Sonny Ono. Uh, I saw Medusa, Scott Norton, all just hanging out. And I knew some of them from Dark Side. So I sat down and I was just kind of a fly on the wall to them, you know, have being like a few drinks in and just this organic ping ponging of stories around the table. Like it was like, 
no, that reminds me of this one time when da ba da ba da, and you know, and then the, and then the next person would go, and the next person would go, and it would just be this kind of like, it just never stopped. It it could go, it could go to the end of, you know, it it could go to the following morning if not farther, you know, in terms of just endless stories, one kind of bouncing off the other, and so that to me was like, oh man, if you could create this, recreate this environment. And, you know, wrestlers have been doing that for years on all those car rides and all on the road in the locker room. That's what those guys do. They just, you know, all these stories just get passed around and they just I'm sure they get exaggerated over time. But that that's how they have been kept alive is just by being passed on in these car rides and in bar rooms. And and um, and and so that for us was kind of like the starting point. Like if we can create a show that feels like that. Uh, but around the era of the territories, because stories from that era are guaranteed to be the craziest. Um, so that was basically it, you know, in terms of doing it. And then when we pitched the wrestlers to do it, you know, it, it was um, kind of difficult to explain what we want, what we wanted the show to feel like, you know. Um, but I think once they got there and they all saw each other, they haven't seen each other in years, especially with the pandemic. And then as soon as they sat down and started just interacting with each other, the chemistry just, you know started to flow naturally and um and then and then it was really especially with the memphis crew like those guys were just fantastic so and then it just it sort of was uh writing itself so to speak so it, it was interesting i was looking at that episode and other than jerry lawler it was the entire tna creative team right i mean if you actually look at it it's yeah. pretty much uh, those guys but uh i mean circling back to this question and uh, I, i mean i hope you take this as a compliment but <laughs> Uh, the last uh, season of dark side was so very controversial uh, a lot of uh, i would imagine that some people might be a little more reluctant than usual to come on camera and discuss some of the things because of some of the flag that uh, someone who wasn't involved in the events like say a tommy dreamer uh, he got a lot of flag just for his comments right uh, so how did you get uh the a crew that was so open so very uh not reluctant to uh, speak about their time in the past well i think with that episode um <clears throat> or i think with this show in particular just knowing that you know starting over and that that this is a new series you know it's not a journalistic series it's not a series uh, you know tales from the territories is not a journalistic exercise where we're going in and we're we're trying to get to the bottom separating fact from fiction um you know it's not exploring the quote dark side uh you know quote um even though i think that could mean a lot of different things um and it was just sort of about like um yeah wanting to approach it in a completely different way the um uh, for example uh just having Dwayne as a partner too um it, it, you know opened doors for us uh with getting folks on the show that we never probably would have with Dark Side and not because of season 3 but just because of the nature that it's an unauthorized sort of uh production like there's no WWE involvement you know uh with with Dark Side of the Ring so you know and Jerry Lawler and you're going to see Michael Hayes on the you know Mid-South episode um you're going to see some folks we've never had on Dark Side before and um just with that you know having the relationship with Dwayne and Seven Bucks you know opened us you know opened a lot of doors for us um in terms of you know getting talent on board and I think it's just you know th- this is a different show and 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 uh this show isn't necessarily about um you know one-on-one interviews and you know uh where we're getting to the 
you know, into some tragic, you know, um, territory here. This is a show about, you know, the wrestlers uh, and the camaraderie they had with each other and just sort of reliving and rehashing their their best stories. And, you know, so for us, uh, it wasn't really much of a challenge um, in, in terms of getting people on board after season three or anything. It was um, it was more just a challenge of trying to communicate, you know, in which ways the show is different and um, and also just. You know, this is a new show and we're, we're trying to figure out what it is, too, and hoping that it works. You know, it was kind of conversely like with Dark Side, It's like, you know, um, like with that show, it's like you can rely upon uh, interviewing, doing separate interviews. You know, you're telling one big story and you have a lot of different voices you can get to contribute to that story in order to make it work. Um, and what I mean by work is 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 to is to sort of make it effective, you know, on television and and to make it accurate and to balance it out and things like that. Uh, with this show, it's a lot higher risk in some ways because in order, in order for it to be successful and entertaining, because you're really relying on the chemistry of the wrestlers at the table, you know, and you're really relying upon um, everybody, uh, you know, getting along, having good chemistry, laughing, you know, having good energy. And, and, and I think with the Memphis episode, it, I mean, it's, it's 10 out of 10, everybody, you know, is, is working, you know, it, it's like, you really do feel like you're, you're, you're like kind of a fly on the wall, so to speak to these guys, just sort of like reliving all these great memories. And so I think that's the hardest part for me was just in terms of like getting the right people together. Cause sometimes you don't have the luxury of like with the Memphis episode, you have, like the fact that all those five guys are still around, you know, and they get along. Not every territory you can say that about. And it's a little harder to find people like that. And so that was the hardest part was getting the right people with the best stories that have the, would have the best chemistry and then just letting the cameras roll and making sure it's like entertaining, you know, and, and not just entertaining for a wrestling fan. We never make shows just for wrestling fans, you know, so it has to be you know entertaining enough for like my parents would watch it and think it was cool, you know, so that was the hardest part. It's very interesting you mentioned the uh, the uh, kind of friendship that exists between everyone and I, I mean they're almost seated around like a, that 70s show kind of table, uh, that kind of setup and it starts off on a very uh, like friendly kind of note and then it goes into pulling eyeballs out and guns. Yeah, <laughs> that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but my question uh, here is... Um, is there a bucket list of maybe wrestlers that you would like to have on maybe a second uh, second season of the show? Uh, you have such a great cast already, like Jerry Lawler, Dutch Mantel, everyone else that we saw on uh, Memphis. Yeah, is there a bucket list? Um, you mean for like a like if if we were to do it all over again, that's people we didn't get. Um, that's a good question. I'm sure that there are. <laughs> Um, nuns coming. I mean, we've got some great people for this season. Um, you know, that I was super happy about, you know, uh, like just like the mid South episode, um, which I think is the, I think will be the, the, the last episode in the run. Um, that's just a great panel. You know, it's, it's, um, Jim Ross, Michael Hayes, uh, Jake, Jake Roberts and Ted DiBiase. You know, it's just a, it's a great, it's a great, it's just seeing them. You know, and, you know, cigarettes are being smoked, you know, it's just like the environment of it. You just wouldn't you wouldn't see that, you know, in any other, 
like the way that that's captured and the stories that are told, I just feel like you wouldn't see that in any other sort of platform, maybe on a podcast, but not with them together, you know, and um, that was just so cool. It's just so cool to see that and to know that that, that you know, is something that's going to live on and endure. That's really cool. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, there's a lot of folks. I know it's not exactly answering your question, but there's a lot of folks who have passed on that, uh, uh, you know, would have been amazing for the show that the show is tailor made for. You know, and I always I always think about, you know, Bobby Heenan or I think about, you know, Roddy Piper, like if Roddy Piper was still alive and you know, how amazing it would have been to have him on a show like this. Um, it would have been just killer. Um, ton, tons of folks like that. But, man, I, you know, yeah, I can't really think of anybody that um, off the top of my head. I'm sure it'll come to me after this, but there's and you know, there's there's so many territories out there and so many different configurations. And that's one thing, too, like. That was one thing about kind of coming up with this idea was that we didn't want it to be like a definitive examination of a territory, you know, like you watch the Memphis episode and, you know, it's just these five weird stories, you know, it doesn't tell the story of the territory, but that allows you to go back to Memphis, you know, in a season two in a season three, four or five, you know, and have is and have a different group of people. Maybe it's a different generation of people and people who were there you know towards the end you know maybe it's a different so i think that's what's cool about the show too is that it allows us to just like always you know keep going even with those territories it's not like a definitive episode you know you mentioned the attitude era uh, at the beginning and uh, the rock is a part of this production you mentioned what a great uh, honor it was that the rock saw dark side and became a fan of the show what was your meeting with the rock like i mean uh, I, I'm assuming there was a physical meeting, right, or, or several ones before the show was made. Um, there wasn't a physical meeting. Um, you know, just a lot of correspondence. I mean, the man—he's a busy guy. <laughs> you know, um, he's got a lot going on um, between, you know, the various shows he's producing, the products that you know he has, the you know Black Adam, you know everything. It just the the, the fact that he even has the time of day, um, you know, to even, you know, be giving us notes or to communicate certain ideas to us and to, you know, do that is just mind blowing to me, you know, in terms of some, you know, in terms of him, who you know, who's just got so much going on. Um, he, uh, I remember when we first got started with the show, he was going back and rewatching. I think he watched, uh, he watched Memphis Heat, that uh, wonderful documentary, uh, which anybody who's listening to this, if they haven't seen, you should definitely go out, out of your way and check it out. Uh, it's a great sort of companion piece to what you know to our to our show, um, but that that is more of a definitive look at the territory. Um, but I remember Dwayne had had watched Memphis Heat, I think, a, a, like a few times, and was really fired up about when we were just about to go to camera for this show and 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 talking about like you know ideas and thoughts about Mem- from Memphis Heat. Um, again, he had a lot of uh, and great call by that he made as well about you know wanting Jeff Jarrett in the episode too, and Jeff Jarrett like obviously. You know, he had grown up in the territory. He had sort of been a part of it at the end, tor- more towards the tail end. So um, I, I hadn't really thought like, well, you know, um, in terms of getting wrestlers like, you know, from that heyday, from like the golden age era of those territories. And Jeff was later on, but it was such a good uh, call that he had to push, you know, to get Jeff on the show because, man, Jeff Jarrett was killer on that show. He was so good. He was like keeping everybody on track. He was, I mean, he had grown up, I'm sure, heard these stories so many times, but e- even though he found a way, like, even like natural, like he had this naturalistic way of sort of 
uh, seeming like he was hearing these stories for the first time and also being a conduit for the audience, you know, knowing that these guys are going to shorthand a lot of the, you know, stories and, you know, Jeff will be like uh, always keeping the audience in mind and sort of translating certain things or resetting up. He's like this de facto kind of moderator and he was so good at it. And I think that uh, I saw a lot of chatter online about people saying how awesome Jeff was in the episode. So that was a great note, you know, just from, you know, from Dwayne to be got to get Jeff Jarrett on there. And, you know, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And that was such a good call. So the interactions that we've had is like, just, you know, sort of in between, you know, the various things that he has going on, but, you know, we have sort of a daily, you know, connection with, you know, Brian Gewertz and the, and the folks over there at seven bucks, you know, so a lot of, a lot is being passed around, you know, from from Dwayne to Brian to everyone in terms of just, you know, getting the show made. Because this show was also made on a very tight timeline. There was a very quick turnaround on this show. Uh, we're still not even done with the show. We've only finished three episodes, three of the seven episodes. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's a lot going on. 